Hello, I'm Suzanne Caprell, and this is Chanel and Muck Boots, conversations with extraordinary women who are your neighbors, co-workers, family members, and friends. These women are beautiful, wise, badass, resilient, have guts, and they get it done. Here are their stories. Today's guest is Sarah Russinello. Now, Sarah is the executive director of Serendipity Therapeutic Writing, and that's located in northeastern Pennsylvania um, at Harvey's Lake. And Sarah's story is uh, another one of these remarkable stories about if you really want it to happen, you'll find a way to make it happen. And uh, I'm not going to divulge too much information before we talk to Sarah, but um, this is a an interview and a conversation that you are definitely going to walk away with some key pointers in life and uh, how you can get it done. Sarah, welcome. Hi. Thanks so for- much. Thank you so much for being here. I know you were a little bit nervous in the beginning and <laughs> kind of like, what's this all about? Um but I promise you, this is going to be fine, and, and the time goes very, very quickly, and I know there's a lot of stuff you want to carry and, and cover, so uh, we'll just get started. Now, Serendipity Therapeutic Writing, that recently became a 501c3, Yes. so you are registered as a nonprofit, and give us an overview of what your mission is at Serendipity. So our mission is to create an environment where adults and children that are either struggling with a physical challenge, an emotional challenge, maybe a a learning disability, maybe mental health issues, to find a home and find comfort through horsemanship education um, and learning to ride a horse. So we have a varied group of individuals that come to the farm to ride, um, all of them very different, all of them different types of needs, but uh, we're finding that we're really creating the environment where everybody there feels at home and comfortable. You know, one of the things that I was I was reading about you is um, you had horses, and, and horses provided you comfort when you were a child. You... Um, <clears throat> Were, you know, saw yourself struggling with learning difficulties, uh, reading, ADD, and you found comfort in the horses. And so as you got older and you evolved more in life, you decided that this was a good way to give back because you knew personally what the horses did for you. Yes, absolutely. When I was in the third grade, uh, my teacher pointed out to my parents that there might be some issues with my cognitive abilities. Not that I wasn't bright. I was very bright, but I couldn't stay on task. Okay. So um, they then put me into learning support, a learning support program. And uh, I really just learned through the learning support program that there's all different ways you can learn to do something. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I'm a visual know. learner. Yeah. I, I can read, yes, and that's fine, but comprehending um, mm-hmm. visual is, is really the way that, that it takes off for me. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that was a key part of it. And, and during that period of time, my grandmother had given me the gift of horseback riding lessons. And, and where I was struggling in school, and maybe I felt like, why don't I understand these things and these other kids understand, and why can't I figure it out? At the farm with the horses, I could be in the moment. I could really focus and pay attention. I had that connection with the horses, and I was able to really learn and excel at at riding. And it was just really empowering. It was like my safe space. So I experienced that myself as a child and throughout my adult life decided it was something I wanted to make a reality for other children who might struggle in the same way. You know, one thing that that I kind of... um... I wanted to briefly talk about is before we started recording today's podcast, um, 
a, a primary goal, the reason Chanel and Muck Boots was developed, was to serve as a resource um, for girls and for women who have dreams, they have goals, they know what they want to do, but for whatever reason, they feel that they're not smart enough, they're not beautiful enough, they're not strong enough, they're not uh, smart enough, educated, uh, and they don't have the connections. You know, And there's mm -hmm. this real misconception out there that if you're going to be successful, it's almost like you already have to have what, what I call the starter dough or the yep. starter bread. You know, Somebody has to give you something. To, for you to build upon. And mm -hmm. that's not necessarily the case. And every single one of the guests that we have talked with so far come back to the same story that it was focus and hard work and a lot of tears, oh, yeah. a lot of grit, and um, a lot of mental muscle that mm -hmm. really makes it happen. And that was the case with you as well. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I didn't <laughs> I didn't come into this having money or resources. Um, as I had mentioned, I did have struggles, educational struggles. I wasn't, school wasn't really my thing, but it was that tenacity and the strength of spirit that really pushed me through to be able to get to where we are today. Um, you know, it, it was a long road. <laughs> it was definitely a long road, but I just feel like as women, it's our job to uplift one another and encourage one another. And if I can share my story and inspire another woman to pursue her dreams and just to have that strength not to give up. Um, that's something I would love to be able to do. One, um, another thing that you, you shared with me and you, you included in, in your bio um, was that some of your darkest times were found when you were homeless and you were living out of your car mm -hmm. and eating whatever food could be salvaged mm -hmm. from the local grocery store dumpster. Yeah, um, that actually happened. I was about 23 years old. And, you know, you think you know everything when you're <laughs> young. Absolutely. And I decided, yeah. Yeah, I decided to take off to California on a whim and uh, found myself, you know, living out of my car and eating, <laughs> eating out of a dumpster. Uh, barbecue tofu sticks. I, I don't think I'll ever eat another barbecue tofu stick for the rest <laughs> of my life. But, um, you know, oh. it, it was a brief period of time, but it was a huge learning experience. I, you know, I, I went there thinking I was going to start my life over and, and it actually ended up going a totally different what direction. What do you mean by starting your life over? Um, you know, I went there with big dreams. I thought, oh, I, you know, I want to be on the West Coast. I want to, you know, explore possibilities out there. I was young. I was in love. You know, the person I was in a relationship with at the time wanted to be out there. So I kind of followed suit and uh -huh. uh, very quickly realized that um, that wasn't the path for me <laughs> and came back, came back to Pennsylvania. But um, yeah, I, I mean, it, it was a scary time. You had to basically claw your way out. Yes. Yeah. I had nothing. You know, my relationship with my family was strained because I just took off and, right. and they were very upset by that. Um, you know, uh, the trip back home was a lot of, uh, you know, asking for spare change to get the gas to, to oh, get back yeah. here, yeah, you know, um, things that I never imagined that I'd be doing, but I did, you know, and you had to survive. Yeah. We yep, had to survive. So then I came back here and, um, you know, found myself a job and, you know, worked my way back to at least somewhat of a stable life. Right. Um, and then I became a mother. So 
Okay, you became a mom. (laughs) Tell us about your daughter. Uh, I feel like my daughter is the most incredible human being on the planet. Um, You know, in a lot of ways, I feel like she saved me. Like, I was kind of not sure where my life was headed and, um, you know, found myself being young and pregnant and um, not in a great situation. I was in a pretty... um, you know, a tumultuous relationship. It was pretty volatile and not a healthy relationship at all. I wasn't feeling really good about myself. And when my daughter was born, everything changed. Everything became about her. Um, And she is now an incredible 15-year-old young woman who just blows my mind every day with her strength of spirit and her soul. (laughs) I do. I get it. I get it. There's something about a child and even speaking from my, my own experience where you're just like, wow. And, and this child just is, is love and Mm -hmm. it's everything good in the world and the the radiation, the radiating love. Um, I get it totally. So we're on, we're definitely uh, on the same page with that. Our children are just, just remarkable miracles. Yes, absolutely. She's, she's an awesome, awesome person. Um, and she was a, a lot of the inspiration for, you know, serendipity. Um, I had been away from horses for a long period of time when I had met her father, you know, that wasn't really something he was into. And I had had my own horse, but you know, I fell madly in love with this man and, you know, wanted to set sail on a new life. Right. Um, so I sold my horse and I took off with him and, you know, um, pursued that. But then when my daughter was about six, it was just she and I, I was then single. She got involved in horseback riding, which then reignited my passion in horseback riding. And I was like, you know what? I want to get my certification. It was something I had wanted to do since I was, you know, college age. Right. And I remember mentioning it to my parents, and I was attending Penn State at the time, and my dad said, well, Sarah, you don't go to college to be a farmer, (laughs) so get your degree and, you know, (laughs) think about it later. And so I did that, and I I did get a degree from Penn State. Uh, Wait, did your dad think that being a a riding instructor or a certified uh, therapeutic instructor was a farmer? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Right. Now he a... thinks otherwise, but <laughs> at the time, that that is what he thought, and uh, so I did get my degree, and and you know ended up waitressing for a really long time, and then when my daughter became involved in horses, I was like, it's it's time, it's time to go back and get certified. And through all this, you didn't give up. I no. mean, you get kicked down, and uh, sometimes you're on your knees, but you got back up every single time, and that's what it's about. You can't. You know, a lot of things happen in life, um, and it's really, I'm learning and have learned through my experiences, it's what you do with that. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's been some really terrible times, you know, and you can lay down and cry and wallow and feel sorry for yourself, but it's about picking yourself back up and moving forward and taking that step, you know. As long as you're putting one foot in front of the other, you can eventually get to wherever it is that you want to be, you know, so. All right. So about getting certified, mm-hmm. um, being certified as a therapeutic writing instructor, what goes into that? Because um, a lot of people call themselves this, that therapist, what, you know, mm-hmm. we know what's out there. Okay. Mm-hmm. But as far as, you know, you're going and you're studying this and you've got to pass tests and you've got to show competency. What was that like for you? 
Um, it was a little, it was a little nerve wracking because I, as I had mentioned, I'd been a, away from horseback riding for, you know, 10 years. So when I began the process, there's a few different, um, you know, general horsemanship knowledge tests you have to take, but there's also an intensive riding exam where you have to ride a horse in front of other certified professionals and you have to teach, you know, a therapeutic lesson also under their evaluation. So that riding piece was tough for me because, you know, I was in my thirties when I decided to, you know, pursue my certification and, you know, your mind remembers, you know, those, those fine details of, of riding a horse and doing so correctly, but my body wasn't necessarily (laughs) cooperating, you know? (laughs) So that was, uh, that, that part was challenging, but, um, you know, I made it. I made it by the skin of my teeth. I made it through. So it was great. Um, and what did you do after that? So you received the certification and like all of a sudden did all the clients start coming and the money start rolling in and you had a barn and you had horses and no. you had everything just like that? No, it was no, nothing like not that. not how it works. No. Um, so I, I was given the opportunity to pursue having a program at the facility that my daughter was taking lessons, horseback riding lessons at at the time. And that facility had a full boarding and lesson program already in place. So I was able to sort of lease space and the horses from them and begin my program. And uh, it was a really long process um, of of being able to iron out the details, learning what equipment I might need. Um, But we did run the program there for about three years and Unfortunately, that didn't work out for us. Um, as I mentioned, it you know was already an active facility, so they already had their own programs in place. And as we, you know, had gotten more clientele and whatnot, it just wasn't going to be a good fit. Right, understand? Yeah. So we knew we had to move on, and we had to find another place to run the program. And at the time, I was living about forty-five minutes north of here. And we found another facility that was willing to host our program. Um, So we went out there and we built a ramp for our riders. And and the riders were excited to return to this new facility. And within a week of that happening, that facility was sold. So No way. No, I swear. (laughs) I swear. So the whole mission of that facility had changed. So, you know, here I had taken some of my riders out there and they were even putting the screws in the ramp with the drills and and we had to take that whole ramp down and we put it in my backyard and you know kind of we're like what what are where are we gonna go from here what are we gonna do so it was uh kind of heart-wrenching but uh, that had to be horrible and and for you and the writers as well Mm -hmm. I mean the writers are just we're going back with Sarah and we're going to start to take our lessons again and we're going to get active again and I'm going to get on horseback and then it's oh no sorry we're not doing this anymore yes and uh, wow yeah it was it was pretty heavy it was disappointing but um you know a, a few weeks later it all happened really quickly a few weeks later um one of our clients' families had found the farm that we're at now. Okay, that's up this way. And where's this farm located now? Uh, in Harvey's Lake. So, okay, um, about six miles outside of Harvey's Lake. Okay, and that would put you maybe fifteen or so miles out of Wilkes-Barre area. So yeah. you're still yes. easy access to those mm-hmm. living in the Wyoming Valley, mm-hmm. as well as you know Route 80, Route 81. Basically, um, anyone can get to you. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, it did put me about an hour and a half from the former facility. So I wasn't sure how many clients. And your clients and your writers. Okay. So what did you do? Uh, so, you know, we got up again. Yep. Got up again. Um, you know, this, this opportunity was in front of me. I had not really even considered having my own facility. I wasn't prepared to do that. I had one horse, um, and that horse just turned 30 this week. So she, she was older, (laughs) you know, and she was retired and she was my horse. She wasn't meant to be a therapeutic horse. So I had one horse, I had a push lawnmower. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And, uh, no farm equipment, but I was like, you know what? Either I'm going to try this or I'm not. And let's try it. The time is now. Yep. So we did it. And, um, we've, it'll be two years. We'll be there in May. Now, when did you decide to name the, um, the organization Serendipity? How did that come about? Immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Immediately. Because, for me, with my own personal experience, it is serendipitous. Like, who would ever think a horse could unlock, you know, some of the best parts of yourself? Uh, um, it is serendipitous. All of it is serendipitous, really, when I look at my whole story now from where I am today. You know, when you say a horse unlocking parts of, of you... What do you mean by that? Could you kind of expand on that a little bit? Because that's interesting what you said. Um, so horses, they're honest. People are not always honest. Um, it's been my life experience that people are dishonest more often than not sometimes. Okay. Yeah, so we all been there. Yes. So, you know, you can come in and approach a horse and and by society's standards, you can have, you know, this wrong with you or that wrong with you. The, the horse doesn't see it that way. As long as you're congruent with your emotions and you're honest, the horse accepts you as as you are. The horse doesn't look at me as somebody who has ADD and can't stand on, stay on task. The horse doesn't look at me as somebody who was eating tofu sticks out of a dumpster. (laughs) The horse doesn't look at me that way, you know? So it it really gives you uh, the ability to see yourself for who you are instead of for, you know, what maybe society might consider. The horse accepts you. Yes. Mm -hmm. As is. Yes. That's beautiful. And it, it works that way also for my clients. Like a lot of my riders come into the farm from a world that very much focuses on the things that they're unable to do. Like what? Um, you know, I have, I have clients who, you know, utilize a wheelchair, you know, are not able to, to utilize their legs for walking. I have chi- children and adults who can't verbally communicate, but they're communicating all the time, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the same way a horse communicates, you know, and, and that connection with the horse really allows them to free themselves. Like when you have a rider who's unable to use their legs, get on that horse and feel the sensation of walking and moving through space, something that they don't access on their own on, you know, in daily living. It's, it's really empowering. You know, it's something you have to see. It's really hard to explain. And you mentioned children and adults. So this, Mm -hmm. your, your services include adults as well. 
Yes. Yes. Um, this year, uh, something we're focusing on a little bit more is the mental health piece. I'm also dual certified as an equine specialist in mental health and learning. I think about two years after I got my uh, therapeutic riding instruction certification, I went back and pursued that end of things. So I work in conjunction with other mental health uh, providers, um, kind of working on some of those goals that mental health clients might have, utilizing horse communication to kind of um, help them to better see how to improve upon whatever goals they're they're working on um it's i'm not a mental health professional i am an equine professional but i can explain to an individual who's grieving or an individual who's experiencing mental health issues how that horse is responding to them and what that horse is picking up on and they're able to visually see through the horse how they're actions you know it's almost like biofeedback yeah so the horse is showing through the horse's communication Mm -hmm. whether it be maybe tilting of the ears eyes head position you know overall um how the horse may be standing what that individual is going through what that individual is feeling Mm -hmm. that's powerful stuff yeah so you know then in conjunction with a mental health professional they can go back with their patient and say you know you know x y and z that you're working on you know when sarah pointed out the horse was responding this way you know maybe we need to look at it from this angle it, it but it's a visual it creates wow. a visual for someone who's you know working and with a therapist just kind of how you said you're a visual learner right. <laughs> you know right. like a t- talk therapy's great but sometimes when you see it in front of your eyes through the horse it it opens up a whole new door uh, uh, that, of healing <laughs> so. now you um you started with your one thirty year old horse mm-hmm. <laughs> how many horses do you have today uh we have eight you have, we eight, have eight therapy horses mm-hmm. and how do you how do you choose a horse what makes a good therapy horse that's actually the most difficult part, and and I've really been fortunate and blessed that the horses that we have are cut out for this line of work. There's a common misconception, you know, especially in the equine world, that a therapeutic horse has an easy job because nine times out of ten they're walking or they're, you know, they're not exerting themselves physically, but the emotional demand on that horse is intense. So it's not for every horse. Like, it... it not all of them will be happy doing it. Our horses, uh, we've really been blessed and fortunate to have the herd that we have. Each one of them has a very special role. Um, my one horse who's not necessarily the most fantastic riding horse is a fantastic mental health horse. So they all have their unique personalities, their unique positive traits that they're bringing to the table. Um, you know, I, I've been blessed. I've been really blessed. Another nice thing about our program that maybe makes it a little different than some of the other therapeutic centers is that most of mine are rescues. So most of my horses have a story and a past that, you know, can be relatable for my mental health clients as well as my children who have physical differences. Mm -hmm. I have um, one of our horses was born with a club foot. 
And, uh, you know, his story actually gives me goosebumps. <laughs> but he was born with a club foot, and he's a thoroughbred. And thoroughbred horses are used for racing, and he was born into a racing family. So they, they raced this horse anyway. I don't know that I would have made that decision, but they right. did race this horse. And he's little, and he's not necessarily what you'd think of for a racehorse, but that horse won almost $100,000 racing. And then he broke a bone in his foot. Oh, gosh. And then he was useless to the racing right. industry. Right, he was useless. So, right. yes, I understand that. So he ended up in a rescue. And at the rescue, they, you know, rehabbed his foot and, you know, brought him back around. But he had sensory issues. So it's What inter- do you mean he had sensory issues? Like he, how? Like what? Um, he, he doesn't, he has, he's thin skin. So he's, he's very sensitive to touch. Okay which is actually really interesting when you think about the children who have autism or sensory issues that come into my farm. Right. That's very relatable to them. He also has to wear like an orthotic horseshoe. So my children who come in and have their braces or their special shoes or their wheelchairs, they relate very much to Phoenix. On the flip side, you know, I've done a lot of work with veterans in the past. You you think of a veteran who, who, perhaps had this wonderful career in the military and then was injured. And then it's like, what am I, I don't know. What's my value? Right. So Phoenix is very relatable in that way too, because he, now he has this new career. Now we're working through those sensory issues. The woman who runs the rescue that I got this horse from actually shared with me that he had been adopted out two other times and sent back. Why? Because the homes that had him didn't understand his sensory issues. They couldn't, okay. you know, he would get all anxious, yes. you know, and and so he wasn't in the right place. But it just goes to show how the universe opens up and, and things happen and you end up where you're supposed to be. Serendipity. Yeah, it, again, yeah. <laughs> serendipity. So, it. you know, this, this horse is fantastic. He works with all different types of children and, and adults, and he's fantastic. What other, what other horses do you have? Who do you got? Um, so I have Victory. Victory is um, an ex-Amish horse. So his understanding of horseback riding is, is not quite what he was advertised to be. He, he I believe, pulled a plow in the past. Okay. So he, he only turns one way. <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, that's okay. Um so what we found with him is he's got such a rich heart that when I have individuals coming to the farm that have that mental health piece they're working on, he connects immediately. It's it's really incredible. So he works out for the mental health piece. Uh, we've recently paired with an organization that's local called Jessica's Light, and um, they help families that are grieving from loss of a loved one and also um, suicide prevention. And victory is like our prize horse for that group, for that grief group, because he just feels, you know, he's my feeler of the crew. Um, And I think because, you know, the Amish, their horses are more like equipment sure, and less I like pets. Sure, I understand that, yes. So, like, he – initially when he came, it was a little trepidatious or a little nervous, especially with men, because I think they're treated, you know, with a stronger hand. 
Um, but then when he comes around and he connects, it's it's really a beautiful thing. And it shows my mental health clients how maybe their intensity or, you, you know, they can tone it down yes. and they communicate the, the same thing in a different way. The feedback. Again, they're getting right. the feedback from the horses. Yeah. Um, and it sounds and it makes perfect sense that like individuals, the horses all have different personalities. They, do. they all have different backgrounds. They all have different experiences. They all have different what they're made of. Mm -hmm. But they all have a role at serendipity. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's we're blessed. We're blessed. Riders. Um, How many riders do you have today? Uh, 34. 34. I just um, came back to the farm full time. So in the winter, we hit some more adversity. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> Let's talk about that a little bit. You yeah. had some challenges with Mother Nature, putting that mildly. Oh, yes. Um, so uh, there was a structural problem with the building that we were unaware of. Okay. Like, I'm not obviously an engineer, so... I would not have known this. Basically, there was a drop ceiling that was retain retaining moisture from the uh, metal roof. Okay. And it was essentially raining in between those two layers, completely unaware of this. Mm -hmm. So one day in January, we had had a real heavy rain, and the ceiling gave way, and the entire arena flooded. So we, I mean, I'm not even exaggerating, we probably had a foot of water in there. Well, the next week, um, it, the temperatures dropped below zero. Welcome so that to northeastern Pennsylvania. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So it was. I would have had better luck, um, you know, renting out the arena for an ice hockey team yeah. oh, than I would, you know, doing my lessons or, or having my riders in there. So I did take a, a job full time outside of the farm in special education. It's my passion, and. Um, once we got the arena repaired, it was time to come back to the farm full-time. So this is actually my first week back at the farm full-time. You got up again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had to. And believe me, that was a really dark period of time. I was kind of like, oh, why am I even here? Maybe I should just throw in the towel, you know. Um, but then I thought, y you know, you're here. You're here. Y you know, so. You're where you're supposed to be. Yeah, you got to do it. You got to move forward. You can't just give up when life hands you a basket of crap. Yeah. You know, like, manure, yes, muck boots. <laughs> right. <laughs> I thought about wearing mine today, actually, but <laughs> I left them home. <laughs> yeah, we, we have a few minutes left, and, and can you share a story? Give a give us a, a success story of of an individual that you've been working with, or maybe someone who is new uh, coming to Serendipity that kind of just stands out for you. Ooh, that's a tough one. A nice there's mental so picture, a visual for those listening right now. There's so many. Because there's, um, we're going to direct people to your Facebook page because mm -hmm. the photos are just phenomenal. And uh, if you're not moved by these photos, you don't have a heart because they're just <laughs> incredible. And the, the, the look on the, the individual's faces are just mm -hmm. priceless. Uh, there's there's so many. It's it's so hard to say. Um I can I can tell a story about a, a veterans group we we had at one time. Um, so it was actually a mental health group. So they were coming through the farm just for that mental health piece. But one of the gentlemen in the group did have a spinal cord injury, so he did use a wheelchair. And so I discussed with the professionals that he was coming with. Um, you know, being that I'm dual certified, do you think next session we can try to get him on the horse? And they said, you know, that's a great idea. 
So when they came the next session, I did ask the gentleman, you know, would you be interested in doing that? And he said, uh, yeah, yeah, that'd be really cool. So I instituted a few of his fellow um, soldiers that were in the group, and I said, will you help me get him on the horse? And and this is dicey because, you know, he didn't come to me for therapeutic riding. He right. they came for the other piece of what I do. Um, so I didn't know how this individual moved. You know, I, I wasn't really sure how he would – his flexion outside of the wheelchair or any of that. So we – got him up and we got him on the horse and I had all the other veterans standing just adjacent to where we were. And I just said, just please, you know, keep the noise to a minimum and, and let's just see, see how we do as so we get him on the horse and we're walking around and, you know, he starts to tremble because, you know, this is the first time he's feeling the sensation of walking since his accident. And it was really, really moving. It's the second lap around. All of a sudden, you hear from the group of veterans outside, "Oorah!" And then he's on the horse, and he goes, "Oorah!" And I'm bawling because <laughs> it was just like incredible. You know, I can't. It's something that has to be witnessed. It's something you have to see. I have another little girl who's mostly nonverbal, and she's been riding with me for about a year and uh she'll come in and uh go right up to her horse and she'll say his name like mom as tells me at home she'll say his name like she she doesn't have a large verbal vocabulary vocabulary but that horse means so much to her it moves her to say his name you know uh, there's there's a lot of incredible stories i have another young lady who has social goals and you know she came to me um with some effects from a a, a disease that she had uh, some physical effects but uh, she had a lot of a tremendous a tremendous amount of anxiety surrounding that so she didn't have a lot of friendships so mom and I discussed a little bit about like maybe pairing her with a riding partner and getting her a friend to ride with. And we, we did that. We had, you know, two rides with this other little girl and they kind of hit it off and socially they were, you know, starting to connect and play some games together. And then we had the flood. So the first day that we had the flood, I had to text all the riders and let them know, like, I'm sorry. I don't know when I can be doing lessons again, but, you know, Saturday's lessons are canceled. Well, a few hours later... I get a message back, a photo message of these two little girls on their first play date. They, because they couldn't go riding together, they had a play date, and connected. here they are. Yes, yeah, they connected. So, like, you know, it's what happens in the arena doesn't necessarily stay in the arena. It There's transfers. There's a great ripple effect that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, how does how does someone get in touch with you? What's the best way? Um, I honestly, as funny as it sounds, I I. I get a lot of new clients through Facebook. Okay. I don't do a lot of advertising. Um, our Facebook page is under Serendipity Therapeutic Writing Center. Serendipity Therapeutic Writing Center. Okay, mm-hmm. so they can find you on Facebook. Yep. And if somebody wants to reach out to you, they can click Abs- on a message and they can they can get in touch with you that way. Yes, and my phone number is also listed, okay. listed there. Um, so, they, yeah, they Very absolutely good. can get in touch with me those two ways. So one last question um, to those listening today um, who are unsure of themselves or maybe they don't think they have what it takes or that they're a failure or they don't have the connections and they don't have the money and they don't have the financial backing. What would you say to them? It's about, it's, it's about the grit. 
<laughs> it's about you just can't give up, you know, you, you can't give up. Um, there's a reason for everything. There aren't any coincidences. I'm finding now in my story that a lot of what I've been through that I considered really horrible times are part of what's given me the ability and the compassion to be able to help some of the other individuals that come through the farm. Um, so your experiences, you know, as negative as they might seem in the moment, can be a huge launching pad to get you to where you need to be to make a difference in this world. And Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week and um, take good care.